Anyone know what a ligament is? Huh? You could use that statement for a lot of things. <laughs> What's the difference between a tendon and a ligament? Anyone know? Tendon attaches muscle to bone. A ligament attaches muscle to muscle. Bone to bone? Is bone to bone? Ligament is bone to bone? Oh, bone to bone. I guess I was wrong. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was like 12 years ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Who wants to win some candy tonight? Anyone? That always gets good response. <laughs> tonight we're going to be starting a series off. I'm excited about this series. It's called The Greatest. You could argue it's the greatest series. <laughs> no. Tim is way too short. I know, but it... Yeah, it doesn't... There's too much, too much goods on top of it. It's weighing it down. So, there are several times in Scripture that it talks about something being the greatest. It can you guys think of any? Several times in Scripture where it talks about something being the greatest. What you got, Quinn? Yes, we will definitely talk about that in this series. It's, it's one of my favorite conversations to look at in Scripture. Because <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Who's the greatest, Jesus? I mean, it just... Don't ask Jesus that question with the expectation of him saying, you are, okay, because it's probably not going to happen. Any others? Greatest of something? Greater love has nobody than what? Lay down their life. What you got, Ian? Is that the one you were going to say? You're going to say what? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I believe it. <laughs> There's a lot of different times, and we'll, we'll get into some of them in this series. We're probably not going to be able to touch on all of them, because there's quite a bit. But we're going to start with the greatest commandment. It's a spot in Scripture. Did you guys know there is a greatest commandment? Jesus said there was one that was most important. Speaking of commandments, I'm curious, for candy, who can name all ten commandments? Anybody? We'll do this. Who can name, who can name as many as possible, like as far as the most of the ten as possible? Obviously there's ten, but statistically most people can't name all ten that are in the church. Come on up here, Ian. I guess... Your foot's hurt, right? <laughs> I guess we won't have. <laughs> I couldn't see your questions. Oh, okay. Um, Bring it up. So number one, respect your mother and father. Number okay, so two, there's there's one. Number two, 
They don't have to be in order. Don't okay. commit adultery. Number three. Adultery. Yeah. Um, thou shalt not steal. Number four. Yeah, thou shalt not murder, number five. You're um, almost halfway there. What you got? Um, so what have I said so far? You said murder, adultery, um, honoring your parents, and stealing. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Um, it is a commandment in the Bible, but it's not then, one of the Ten Commandments. Um, um, God before all. God before all. We'll count that one. Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. So you got half of them. You, anyone else? Can anyone do better? I can sum them all up in two. I can sum them all up. We'll go with Landon, and then we'll come over here. You don't have to say them in order. Just name as many as you can, including the ones he said. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt honor your father and mother. You got half of them. That's pretty good. Let's give him a hand. Did you raise your hand earlier? No. One of you guys did, didn't you? No. All right. Thou shalt not boast. Um, I'm going to hold this so I can fact thou check. Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not boast. Um, honor the Lord. Is boast one of them? I don't think boast is second one. I'm pretty sure no. it is. Or be jealous. Um, Jealousy. I mean, yeah, that's, that's technically one of them. So you said steal, you said jealousy, you said adultery. Uh, Honor your mother line. and father. Yep, um, so there's five. I think that's um, honor your, uh, sorry, not honor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Not one of the Ten Commandments. Oh. Um, it is a commandment. What is honor your God. <laughs> oh, thou shalt not have any idols or false idols. Mm -hmm. There is this. Um, Number six, yeah. Is it, is it, don't take the Lord's name in vain? Uh, That's another one, yeah, there's seven. And then, what am I missing right now? Steal, lie, covet. You're oh, yeah, pretty good. That's not one of the ten. But it's, no. No, that's the golden commandment, or the golden rule to love others or treat others the way you want to be treated. So, all right, we'll do John to finish. Take us home, John. Nice. So, have no other gods before you. Uh, don't use God's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day. Um, num, 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 num. On your mother and father. Uh, don't steal. Don't kill. Don't covet. Don't uh, stub your toe. No. Um. Ian. 
Oh, geez. Um, You're tied with Abby. <laughs> oh, gosh, I had him. Um, yeah, don't, I, I, don't commit adultery. Don't... Uh, I think I already said don't tell any lies. Maybe you didn't. Yeah, I don't think you ever said adultery, yeah. so okay. that was one of them. Don't tell any lies. Oh, okay. Okay, and then... Uh, I did. Who is that eight? First three. All right, we got to stop you, John. Uh... So you missed, do not make any idols. You said, no, you said have no other gods before me. Those two often get mixed up because they're actually separate commandments, but they're like, unfortunately, God had to say both of them. <laughs> no other gods before me. That means don't make idols. It's basically what he was saying. So everyone that did it, come on up and get a piece of candy. And then the tenth one, I believe the other one that he missed was honor your father and mother. I don't think you said that one. I, I will say all of them here in a second. You want raisinets? <laughs> he wants raisinets. <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> he wants the raisinets. <laughs> Landon, did you get something? Awesome. She's taking the Christmas gummies. Alright. Okay, here's the Ten Commandments. Repeat after me. No other gods before me. Make no idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. I didn't even look at the list for that one. <laughs> I've studied this like all week, though, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, where's those raisinets? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Those are the Ten Commandments, and statistically, most people can't actually name all of them. I proved that today. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, John's been in the faith for how long? Over 30 years. You've been around the church for a long time, since you were a teenager. But consistently reading the Bible, it's been 30 years, right? Yeah. So, and it's hard for him. Goals, right? For reals. Did you guys know there's more than just 10 commandments in the Bible? How many commandments do you think are in the Old Testament? Jewish tradition states that there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. There they are. What's that? Let's see how far this goes. There you have it. 
613 commandments. There you have them. They're not double-sided. It's 40 pages. Top to bottom. That's a lot of commandments. Yes. No. Afterwards. If you want to read all of them, you can read them later. Or you can read the Bible. And then you'll have read all of them. Because <laughs> they're all in there, right? And it's actually, these are all the ones that are in the, I believe it's the first five books of the Bible. There's a lot in here. All right, Shay. Oh, no. Ah, oh, no. I broke the law. <laughs> so did you guys. <laughs> there are, like I said, 613. It's mitzvot. That's the Hebrew word. It's to say mitzvot. That's the Hebrew word for command. And there are 248 positive commandments, as in do this and you'll live, or whatever. Love the Lord your God, that would be a positive one. Do not murder, that would be a negative one. There are 365 negative commandments, one for every day of the year. Coincidental, maybe, maybe not. But, except for what, John? Except for what? So, all right, bring it back. Pay attention. So, the Pharisees, interestingly enough, beyond this 613, started to add even more. Isn't that crazy? There were more than just these ones that they added to the people. And then here's the worst part about it. They started to emphasize and say that theirs were the priority more than what God even had said to the people. Now that's messed up. In a way, you could say that that was putting a God before them, right? Themselves. Saying, what I say is more important. That's not how we're supposed to live, right? So I got a passage of scripture here. Somebody in the uh, conversation with Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation for this passage. There was a discussion that broke out amongst Jesus and the Sadducees, and the Pharisees were nearby, and they heard how he had basically answered so well, he caused them to not ask any more questions. So, starting at verse 34, it says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, so he knew all of this. There's a good chance he probably knew it by heart. Knew every single law, every single command, every one of them. And he comes to Jesus with this question to try to trick him. It says, he tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment? in the law of Moses. You guys think you'd be able to single out which one's the most important? What's that? He did. <laughs> Would you guys be able to single it out? If I were to tell you to pick out which one's most important on here, because it is in here. Only because you know what it is. 
God before all things? Kind of. So here's what his answer is. He says, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now that's a bold question. And it sounds like a trapped question. It sounds like, all right, which one's most important? Because whichever one you say, I'm going to say, well, what about this one? Are you saying that this one isn't as important? And they're, they're trying to trick him with his own words. But fortunately, Jesus is a genius. <laughs> yeah, he is. So Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your, all your, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Somebody said actually each one of those. I said which one of the Ten Commandments? It's not in the Ten Commandments, but guess what? The first four commandments are all about loving God. And then the next six are all about loving your neighbor as yourself. Mind blown. I always like to say there's more about loving your neighbor as yourself because people are way harder to love than God. <laughs> if you don't believe that to be true, you haven't been around people very much. So yeah, he said, love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So he is saying, all of these here, this entire list can be summed up in two. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Every single one of those is involved in either loving God or loving people. Pretty smart answer, wouldn't you say? He summarized the entire Old Testament. I mean, we're talking, check this out. Start with Matthew here. Just before it. All of this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbors yourself. I just read the Old Testament to you. <laughs> eh, not exactly. <laughs> But that's basically what Jesus is saying. You want to understand what God desires? That. That's what God desires. Now the Old Testament goes into great detail of what happens when you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or you don't love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of great detail about it. It expounds upon it. But the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus. Now in regards to the greatest, we're talking about the first one. We're not going to be talking about the second one that he says in this, which is to love your neighbors yourself today. That'll be for a different day. Today we're talking about loving God. What does it mean to love God? What are we supposed to do in regards to that? How do we do it? You guys think it's difficult to love God well? No? You guys got no thoughts on that? You guys think it's difficult to love God well? I think it can be. The way he deserves to be loved, right? We're focusing on the first commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now, I could do an entire series just on this. And maybe one day I will. <laughs> but I didn't feel like I was supposed to do that with this. 
You're welcome. <laughs> There's a series that I listen to. It's a 12-part series. Each one is like an hour long, and it's all on this. Love God and loving your neighbor as yourself. It goes into great detail. But the first thing that's listed is to love God with our heart, right? What does that mean? What does it mean to love God with your heart? Because there's three different hearts that really make up every single person. And Jesus lists them in the commandment. Love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. There was a, a teaching that we were listening to. I know Luke was there, Anna was there, Shay was there. I believe Shay was there. Caitlin and myself were there. And it was talking about what makes up people. And I love the description that the pastor had given about each one. What is, what is the heart? What's it for? What does it do? As well as the soul and the mind. And he, he described it like this. The heart is your feeler. It's how you get through life with feelings, in a way. It's what you're feeling. Your soul is your doer. It's your will. It's what causes you to do stuff. It's where your decisions are done. And then your mind is your thinker. That one's pretty simple, right? It's where your thoughts reside. God wants us to love him with all three of those. How many of you know that can be a little difficult at times? And I think for each person, each person probably struggles with one differently than another person. I know for some people, they really struggle to love God with their mind. Some people, it's their heart. Other people, it's their souls. So in regards to the first one, loving God with our heart. Here's the thing about this. this is, it's very visible to others. Because it's based off of your emotions. It's how you're feeling. Here's one description that's found in, in Luke 6.45. It says in the New Living Translation, it says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Another way of saying it is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, Ian? Jada. Listen up. What you say reveals what's inside you. You guys believe that? Very true. What you say has a way of revealing who you are. Now, obviously, you can lie day and night about what's in your heart. But eventually, it's going to come out. Yeah, if lying is in your heart, then nothing you say is true. And that's eventually going to be revealed, right? We can lie, and we can get really, really, really good at hiding what our true heart is like. But you're not going to be able to hide that from God. God knows what's in our heart, right? You can really understand somebody with what they say. My question for you is, are you honoring God with the way that you talk? Are you honoring God with the way that you speak? The way that you speak to others? When you speak, right? <laughs> I'm just going to call it out right now. <laughs> but it's true. 
do you honor God in, in how you use your mouth? Like, for real. What comes out of your mouth should be something that brings glory to God, right? And that includes the way you talk about your parents, right? <laughs> the way you talk about each other, the way you talk about their friends behind their back. You're saying good things about them? You're talking trash about them? Hopefully not. How do you talk about your teachers? Because here's the thing. No, that's an important thing to bring up. The way you talk about people is important. And God takes it very seriously. You see, even, I didn't bring this up in Scripture. I wanted to, but it's an extremely long passage. But Jesus has this conversation with people when he says, you did this for me, therefore enter into my kingdom. And then he looked at others and he said, you did not do this for me, therefore you will not. And they said, when did we do this for you, Jesus? When did we take care of the sick? Or when did we take care of you when you were sick? When did we feed you when you were hungry? When did we clothe you when you were naked? He went through this whole list of different things. For both sides. You did this for me. And you didn't do this for me. And their response was, when did we do that for you? He said, when you did it to the least of these. Those that you deem as maybe not lovable. As lesser than you. Society deems lesser than you. The culture around you deems it as lesser than you. It is very popular in school to belittle your teachers, right? It is very popular to rebel. It is very popular to do the wrong thing. <laughs> I love what Lecrae says in one of his songs. He says, why? And he doesn't actually say it. He's quoting a pastor. If you really, truly want to rebel, then stop sinning. Because that's the only rebellion left. <laughs> it is. But it's true. Guys, if you want to be different, if you want to stand out amongst people in your schools and rise above them, watch what you say. Watch how you use your mouth. Very important. But here's the thing. It's a heart thing. You've got to get your heart changed. The only way to do that is really to bring it to Jesus. Let's see what else I have here. So that's the gist of what I, I mean, I could go more and more <laughs> into detail on the heart. But I'll stop it there for the sake of time. How many of you know we can lie? We can speak things day after day that are honoring God with our lips. But really, your heart's far from him. There's actually a scripture in the Old Testament. One of the prophets says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. It's not just a matter of what you say that's important. It's also a matter of what you do, which brings us to the soul, loving God with your soul. Loving God with our soul is very important. How many of you know talk can be cheap, Right? If you say something but actually don't do it, which one are people going to pay attention to? What you do, right? If you tell your parents, yeah, sure, I'll take out the trash. <laughs> and then they come back hours later, hasn't been done. What are they going to say? You didn't do it. I was going to. <laughs> Who 
Who's ever said that, right? Just, just give me another second, okay? I'm almost done. Whatever it might be that you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching this show. I'm playing this game. I'm watching the 40th YouTube video today. Just give me a second, okay? Whatever it might be. Your actions speak louder than words. But your words are important. <laughs> Which is why you want to have them both doing the right thing. What you say and do should be things that are good. And Jesus said to love God with both. Love him with our soul. Our soul is our doer, like I said. I really like the way, I can't remember the guy's name, but I really like how he said that. And I, I think it's a great description of what the soul is. It's the part of us that decides things. It involves our will, our decision making. Sometimes we don't want to do the right thing, right? Which is where we need to say, God, your will, not mine, allow my soul to align with yours. Because our, it, God has renewed our soul, but there is a struggle and there is a fight inside of us that Galatians tells us about, trying to keep you from doing what is right. And you have to submit to God's spirit that's inside you and say yes to the spirit of God and no to the sinful nature that wants to rise up and come back from the dead. <laughs> 1 John 3, 18 through 24, it says, Our soul, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That is one worth memorizing. This is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. That's basically the two commandments, right? <laughs> love God and love each other. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. When I read this, this is what I felt like I was saying. Some of you guys have no confidence to come before him because your actions are trash. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Some of you have no confidence because to come before God because your actions are trash. They're awful. When my kids are misbehaving, they are way less likely to come to me and ask for something. And I'm also way less likely to say yes. But when they're in relationship with me, in close connection, and they know that I love them, because they believed it. Because th this is actually towards believers. John was talking to believers when he wrote this epistle. He was telling the church this. People that were saying they love God. He was saying, do it. Don't just say it. Follow it up with your actions. But how many of you know sometimes we can slip up, right? 
Sometimes we can fall short. We, we make mistakes. We sin. And we're like, oh, I thought I was over this. That's why that passage is so important. It says, God is bigger than our hearts that have a tendency to condemn us. Because when you've done something wrong, I, at least I know for myself, and I think Pastor Tim talked about it this Sunday, when we do something wrong, our tendency is to want to actually run away from God. Right? Last thing we want to do is go to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Even though we've heard it all before, He's going to forgive me. If we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and cleanse us from our sins. Right? Scripture's that. It's in there. But our soul is... I didn't do the right thing. And so then our heart gets involved and says, no, I'm scared. I don't want to go to God. (laughs) And then our mind tricks us too and says, don't do it or you're just going to have the hammer come down on you. You're going to get punished. You don't want that, do you? (laughs) And oftentimes it's the devil that's saying these things to us. (laughs) It's not even himself. (laughs) But what John was saying is so important. We need to, this It's probably the most important thing if you get anything today. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. He knows what you did. (laughs) He knows where you slipped up. So just get it over with. Go to him because you can't come to him with boldness until you deal with the thing that's making you a coward. (laughs) That's really what's going on. There's... A sin that's happened and it's causing you to be timid and cower away and say, God, I don't want to come to you. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. In the same way with my kids, when I acknowledge what happened and they realize it and they're like, oh, he caught me. (laughs) I say, come here. I love you. I care about you. Yeah, She, she does the hiding all the time. And then Milo does the Emotional hiding, where he buries his face in the couch or something. He doesn't want to be seen. He thinks, oh, if if I don't see him, then he doesn't see me. (laughs) Isn't true, right? But the doer, our soul. (laughs) Yeah. Then it just gets angry. Starts swinging his arms. I don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing. This whole passage is about getting you back in line with the soul of God, with his will. That's what this whole passage is about in 1 John. Don't just say it. Do it. And if you don't do it, come to God, confess your sins, take care of it, and then go do it. Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us, which assures us of our salvation. Assures us of, I love you. I haven't left you. My spirit's still there. You just not, haven't been listening to it very well lately. <laughs> and when you start listening to it, man, it's so freeing. So freeing. Like I said, get our souls in line. I want you guys to seriously think about, is what you've been doing something that honors God? Is it something that really loves Him? The way that you've been behaving, the way that you've been treating your parents, 
not just talking about them, the way that you've actually been treating them, behaving towards them, the way you treat your teachers, the way you treat your classmates, your siblings. That's a tough one, right? Preaching to the choir, right? It's practice for the future with relationships in your life. Because relationships are difficult. But what you do is important. And God wants us to honor him and love him in how we do things, right? So think about it. Is the way that you do things, honoring to God, is it really showing that you love him? It's okay. I'm debating on whether I should read this one. You want me to read it? Yeah, she always says go for it. All right, now, this is the last part I have to mention in regards to the soul. Because, and I, I want you guys to understand, I'm not, you know where your heart is. You know where your soul is. And if you don't, that's where you can go to God and say, Lord, if there's anything going on in my heart or in my soul or in my mind that doesn't belong, take care of it, please. And help me to get rid of it. So in James chapter 4, verse 4 through 10, this is New Living Translation. Now listen to these words. It's pretty intense what James says. And he's talking to the church. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. Amen for that. Eh? As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. This passage is really, it's difficult. It's hard to read. Like, I mean, I was reading it, and I'm like, I'm uncomfortable reading it. But it's the truth of God's word. And if you guys didn't know, James is actually talking to the church, and he's talking to people about their hypocrisy. That's what he was doing. He was telling the church, listen, you're not... You're trying to live a double life. It doesn't work. Friendship with the world and friendship with the God with God are not possible. Because God is not friends with the world. And what that means, it's not the world as in the population of the earth. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? It's John 3.16. Most people in here can probably say it by heart. But it's talking about the ways of the world, the passions, its desires, its lustful intentions, its sinful behavior. You can't 
have the desires of the world and the desires of God. It doesn't work. There you got one or the other. And he's saying, kind of obvious who you serve. You don't look any different than the world. Your actions are no different. What you're doing is a carbon copy of what they're doing. So how can you say that you actually love God if you're friends with his enemy? Right? That's what this whole passage is about. James is bringing clarity to the church. He's calling them out and saying, guys, you haven't grieved and asked for forgiveness for the wrong you've done. You haven't actually come to God and said, forgive me, which is what real repentance is. It's like what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Your life should look different than the people around you. Unless you're hanging out with all believers, then it should be pretty similar, right? <laughs> but when you guys are in school, what you do should be different, right? When you hang out at Stodden Park in the summer, Nobody hangs out there right now, right? <laughs> I would say the mall, but nobody goes there. <laughs> but your life should be different, right? There should be a defining moment of, before this, I didn't love God. After this, I did. There should be a distinguishing factor of change that happens. And that's what James is saying. He's like, I, I don't see it. I don't see the change that's happened yet. Where's the change? Make the change happen today by choosing Jesus and choosing to say yes to him and give your life to him. The last one Jesus talks about is loving God with our what? Oh, that was weak. Loving God with our, with our mind, with our thoughts is another way of saying it. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. You guys didn't know you can love God with your mind. You can also not love God with your mind. You can do both. <laughs> Which is why God says to do it, because obviously that means you cannot do it, right? But in Romans 1.20, it says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. He's talking about people in the Old Testament who they, they strayed away from God, and they actually... They, they didn't think about God. They chose to like suppress thoughts towards God and put them aside. They didn't retain the knowledge of God. They chose to forget it as a people. And it ends up causing their minds to just go totally wild and totally against what God wants. Here's a, a verse that's a little more fluffy. <laughs> Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Had to get a Proverbs in there. That's right, right? You know me. That's right. John's got it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will straight your path. That's ESV translation. I don't know if you want to put it up there, Josh. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We talked about the heart, right? 
trust God with your heart. What does that mean? When your emotions are starting to go crazy, you say, God, I trust you. My emotions are maybe getting a little out of whack, but I'm going to get my heart in line with your truth, with your promises, with what you've told me. Trust and learn with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Where do you think your understanding is involved? I would say it's the mind, right? Do you guys always understand what God's doing? <laughs> very, very few times, right? We've got to lean not on our own understanding. We've got to lean on God and His understanding. He says in His words, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Which is why we can't rely on our own thoughts and our own ways all the time. We need to get them in line with what God says. It says to take every thought captive in Scripture. Renew your mind. There's so many places in Scripture, especially the New Testament, that talk about getting your mind right. You can think the wrong things. You guys know that? Some of you might be now. <laughs> you can think the wrong things. And your thoughts often lead to what you do. They often lead to how you feel. Which is why taking care of this thing is so important. Yeah, what you put into it. You guys ever heard of garbage in, garbage out? If you guys are constantly reading garbage, listening to garbage, things that affect your thoughts, which is like pretty much everything you do, you're going to have garbage. You're going to push off garbage. You're going to get garbage coming out of you. If you're wondering, why is it that I always do this? Why do I always think this way? Why do I always say these things? What are you thinking about? What are you spending time putting into your head? Oftentimes your friends can be a great influence into that. Oftentimes the music you listen to can be a great influence in that. You've got to be careful. You've got to guard your mind. you also got to guard your heart. It says that in Proverbs 4. It says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will straight your path. He'll make your path straight. Some translations say, In all your ways submit to Him. In all your ways um, acknowledge him. There's, I'm trying to remember what the other one is. I think the NIV says it. Let me look it up here. There's lots of different translations, and they all try to understand exactly how to say it. <laughs> I think they all probably allude to the truth of it. But acknowledging him is an idea of thinking about him, giving thought to him. Like I read in Romans, they didn't give thought to God. They chose not to acknowledge the truth of his word. They chose to just say, oh yeah, I remember that. Let's forget about it. I don't want to think about that anymore. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? In all your ways, submit to him. So there's involved this idea of what you do, what your heart is, and what you think. This passage actually has all three involved. 
got your soul, your heart, and your mind all involved in two, in two verses. And it's giving an explanation of what results from it. it your path ends up being much, much straighter when you choose to live this passage. Does it mean you're going to have no problems along the way? No. You're going to have some trouble. I mean, Jesus did all the right things and was murdered for it. <laughs> right? I don't want that to be a discouragement to you not to do the right thing. But, <laughs> but doing the right thing straightens your path out. Some of you guys are like, man, I feel like I've been wandering for years. I don't, I don't get it. It seems like my path is just a winding road. Have you been submitting to him? Have you been acknowledging him in your thoughts? Scripture says to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, not on things that are going to be considered worldly things, like it talks about friendship with the world versus with God. Set your minds on things above, and it's going to do wonders for you. The heart can often fight our mind as well as our soul. Sometimes they, they're fighting each other, and sometimes they all want to take control of what you should do. And that's where you need to line them up with the truth of God's Word. I like the example that John shared when he preached last about the guy who God told him, go bring this milk to this house. Just, just go buy a gallon of milk and then start driving. <laughs> In the direction I tell you. So he did it. I'm, I'm sure his heart was like, okay, uh, yes. But his mind was like, what in the world are you doing? You're a wacko, dude. <laughs> Why in the world would you just go buy a gallon of milk? But he chose to trust God with all his heart. And lean not on his own understanding. And then he submitted to God. He acknowledged him. And he somehow made a straight path for him to go to the right house and give milk to some random stranger. Acknowledge God in what you guys do. Acknowledge God when you get a good grade on your test. And say, oh, thank you, God, for your help. Thank you, God, that you gave me a brain that can do this. And when you don't do well, say, God, how can I do better? You got the answer. Help me out. Not because you're stupid, okay? Sometimes the enemy likes to throw thoughts at us. And say, you're an idiot. The last two years proved that with all these tests. You're stupid. It's not true. You got to take those thoughts captive. And submit them to Christ and what he says. And what he says is in Scripture. He formed you. He made you. He knows everything about you. He called you to awesome things. And he has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Another way that our heart can sometimes fight with our mind is the opposite way. Sometimes our heart tries to get control with our emotions. Have you guys ever lost something extremely important? And did it drive you crazy? What was crazy about it? Your emotions, right? Your emotions were getting out of whack. You're like, oh no, I'm afraid. 
I'm scared, I'm worried. And then that starts to get control over your mind, and then you start to think things that aren't good, right? How do you get out of it? You pray. It's a great way. You got to get your mind snapped into place to say, okay, where did you lose it? Trace back. Think. You start thinking. If you start thinking with your heart, it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> Don't listen to Disney. It says, follow your heart. <laughs> it's not true, okay? Yeah. Be true to your heart. That's what Milan says. Don't listen to that. It's junk. <laughs> your heart's going to just cause problems. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about when, in regards to the relationship between these three things. Sometimes, like, God gave you a mind. Did you guys know that? Like, he made a mind for you. He gave it to you to use. <laughs> Oftentimes, we, we don't want to use it. We say, oh, Lord, I just want to really feel what you want me to do. God, just guide my heart. But yeah, there's some truth to that, but he also wants you to think. <laughs> he wants you to use your mind. You say, Lord, help me remember where I lost that thing. Help me trace my steps. Because if you start to just have your heart go wild, the, the strange thing about it is it actually says that we lose our mind when that happens. The irony of that. You lose your mind. Because your mind isn't in control anymore. Your heart is. Your emotions are taking control over everything. Have you guys ever been in a position like that? Does it feel good? No. It's not good emotions that are in charge usually, right? It's a bunch of terrible ones. And that's when you got to get your mind in place and go, shut up, emotions. I'm going to take care of this. God, help me remember this. What do I need to do? What do I need to say? Have a conversation with God. It's called prayer. Like John said, pray about it. Pray about what's going on. And then you say, God, I choose to trust in you. Trust in you with my heart, even though I'm, my emotions are like, nah, don't do that. You need to have your mind, which is saying, hey, you know scripture, remember it. And your soul saying, I need to do this because the Spirit's willing. Your heart, soul, and mind can have a lot of crossover, a lot of interaction with each other. Sometimes what you can do ends up being actually what you're saying, too. So your heart and your soul are both involved. But God told us in the Scripture, love God with your heart, soul, and your mind. Because if you're just doing one of them, there's something missing. There's a part of you that's not there. And God wants all of us. He wants to have the entirety of us. Jesus said to love with all of it. How many of you know you can love God with just your mind? And then there's no heart involved in it. There's no emotion to it. We're just a bunch of Spocks walking around. <laughs> Some of you guys probably don't even know that. <laughs> who's, who's Spock? What's a Spock? It's from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. It's a guy that was completely emotionless. I think the whole race of, of them were emotionless, right? 
Like they, they couldn't, they, they had no emotion. Ladies, how many of you would like to marry somebody like that? <laughs> Some of the guys are like, <laughs> I'll marry somebody like that. No, that's terrible. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Be awful, right? We can choose to love God in just one area, and it ends up having our relationship with him very, very shallow. There's a part that's really missing. I saw you shaking your head. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, here's the last part I have for you. John 14, verse 15, 21, and 23. If you love me, obey my commandments. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Jesus replied, all who love me will do as I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Here's the big key part of loving God with our heart, soul, and mind. It requires relationship. You've got to have relationship. That's really the area that the nation of Israel was lacking. There was no relationship with God truly possible until Jesus came. It was really... Not doable. All of this was a problem. We couldn't do it. But when Jesus came, he made a way for us to do it. Because it was through him that we can love God. Without Jesus coming, loving God was impossible. It says that we love because he first loved us. You might be thinking, how in the world am I going to love God the way you're describing? How can I love God with all my heart? How can I love him with all my soul and all my mind? How can I be thinking the right thing? How can I be doing the right thing? Saying the right thing? You need a relationship with him. That's where it comes. And then if you do have a relationship with him, like I read in First John, if our hearts condemn us, God is bigger than our hearts. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all righteousness. He wants us to come to him and say, Lord, here's my heart. Fix it, please. <laughs> Keep working on it. Do some heart surgery. Because I don't think you're done yet. <laughs> and he, he says, I would be happy to. I would love to do that. It has to start with relationship, though. That can start tonight if you've never done it. You can also do it if you've been neglecting your relationship with God. You might be thinking here today, man, I have not been giving him the time he deserves. I have not been thinking right lately. I have not been doing right lately. I have not been feeling right lately. And that's where we come to God and we say, Lord, help me out. I need your help. Let's stand. He's got to pee? All right, go pee. <laughs> the doors are locked. Here.
Okay. All right. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, you said the greatest commandment is to love you with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And God, we know that that is impossible to do without you. So God, we lean on you tonight to do that. Get our hearts right. Get our minds right. Get our soul right tonight. God, if there's anyone here that really has never chosen to follow you truly and say, God, I'm yours, they would come to you and say, Lord, I want to love you. Help me make that happen by I choose to give my life to you. It's the first thing we can do for him to really pour love into our hearts. God, I pray that tonight would be the marking of a different life. Our relationship with our siblings would look different. Our relationship with our parents would be different. Our teachers would be different. Our classmates, co-workers. Every relationship we have, every aspect of our life would look different. Starting with Jesus' name. Amen. All right.